Hey everybody, welcome to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast, special Q&A episode. I'm here with Ashley Van Houten, and we are going to dig into some cool stuff today. Ash, how are you today? I'm good. I'm very good. I'm covered in paint because I've been painting, but it's good because I'm painting my house. But the cool thing about it is that it's gotten me out of the gym for a couple of days, and I've just been like using my fitness for functional purposes, which is what the whole point of going to the gym is, and it feels really good. So you haven't hurt yourself? You're doing some finger painting in the process? <laughs> Knock on wood. Yeah, I'm like, I'm covered in paint. And actually, I am like a little bit sore because it's funny. Like when you're actually doing real life physical activity, you're maybe not always as worried about like perfect form and like, you know, lifting with your legs as much yeah. as when you're in the gym. But I mean, I, I think am. that's, well, okay. All right, Ben, you're better than me. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm like, I'm a little bit like banged up, but I know it's good. I mean, you know, again, like that's what it's all about is being able to actually go out and live your life. These days they make are so heavy on those rollers, man. <laughs> Dude, come on. I'm strong enough. No, no, it's good though. I've been out of the gym for a couple of days and I went for a run yesterday morning and I'm trying to be outside as much as possible because as you know, in Canada, we have such a short, time frame of beautiful weather. So I'm really trying not to spend it all inside at a gym. So it's been good. You know, I think I told you about my idea. When I first opened a gym, I actually strongly pushed the landlord to allow me to create a glass ceiling. I wanted to create a glass roof, you know, Florida being a great place to benefit from the sunshine. And Mm -hmm. I actually wanted to have a glass roof that was obviously completely sealed and I wanted to have grass as the ground, as the floor, because cool. you get sunlight through the through the glass, and then you just have to water the grass every night, right? So, I mean, it would have been a massive nightmare for any any property owner, but it would have been a really cool gym. Yeah, it would have been beautiful until the first hurricane, tropical storm came through, though, right? Well, no, there, there's actually it's, it's there's places here that have glass ceilings. You just have to make sure it's like probably very thick and tempered glass. Yeah, yeah. That would be very cool. I mean, you still maybe could do it. Could you like do like a special room or something? Or do you have a, I still haven't been to your gym, which is crazy. I have to do that soon. But what about like an outdoor section where you can like do some stuff outside? So we had that too, originally. So the back was a loading dock and we used to throw some like powerlifting stuff out there, but it's not quite the same, right? Because like it's hot in Florida in the summertime. Nobody wants to work out outside. It's like when you think it's, you know, hot, it's hot. And like doing a workout out there longer than 15 or 20 minutes, it's just not comfortable, man. So we thought about it. We played a little bit with it and nobody ever ended up going out there. And, you know, the summertime is this, this amazing time where it's 110 degrees with 100% humidity, you know, 23 hours a day. And then the one hour of the day, it's like the worst torrential downpour you've ever seen in your life. So it's crazy. It's like what you see in movies. The, the rain is like coming down in every different direction. And you step aside for a second and you're drenched. Mm-hmm. So it's not like normal rain. It's like tropical rain. Yeah. And, yeah. But isn't part of being like a optimized badass human just working through discomfort? Like wouldn't wouldn't well, No, yeah, but my, you know, most human beings aren't looking for, you know, the discipline to go outside in 110 degrees and sit there and, you know, That's meditate fair. through it. That's fair. <laughs> most, All right. Maybe maybe you'll offer come here and leave in their in their you know, their suit and you know, look pretty and have their makeup all nice. They don't want to look leave covered and sweat with the you know the eye makeup dripping down the side of their face. I don't know. I feel like you're speaking for yourself because you said you didn't want to work outside in the well, I was a prima donna bodybuilder. When I was a bodybuilder, I was very concerned with air conditioning. Yeah, that's fair. Now I'm yeah. No I mean, different. look, I I know I spent a fair bit of time in Florida. I know that it's like pretty nightmarish but maybe at some point that could be like a next level. Is like you said, go outside and like practice some meditation or some mindfulness in the epic sure. afternoon heat 
you'll never hear me complain about the heat, like I actually, or the weather period. Like I love it, but I don't think it would be a, a feasible business model to say, hey guys, we're deciding that everyone in Florida is going to work out outside today. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I have a question about the gym because I'm planning on actually making my first trip there sooner rather than it's later. invite only, actually. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Do people... You have an endless invitation. You have your own office here. You're welcome. Amazing. Anytime. Amazing. Is the office located close to the smaller dumbbells so I can just do curls in between all of our calls. Absolutely. I'll make it happen. Awesome. I appreciate that. I could put a desk beside the small dumbbells if you want. Well, I mean the smaller, maybe, but not the small ones. Anyway, can people just come and like pay for a drop-in and come in and like hang out at your gym for a day or is there more to it? (laughs) No hanging out allowed. Well, no hanging out, working hard, but but can people just kind of- social pleasantries at my gym. (laughs) It's funny. That was actually part of the model when we opened with like- I wrote rules and we all agreed that there would be no social pleasantries on the floor because- No small talk. Yeah, truthfully, because it just distracts, right? People want to come in and actually lift. Like, so we, you know, the original intent was to create this heaven and hell scenario where you walk through the, the corridor and like the entryway is this New York style cafe where you can kind of chill out and be social and have, you know, your pre-workout and free water and towels and stuff. And then you walk through the, the threshold to go to the gym and it's like, you know- it's red and there's loud music and you're getting after it. You're very focused. And the music was meant to be specifically selected to elicit a brain state. So it wasn't going to be like death metal or anything where it's just going to be creating these negative emotions. It was going to be, you know, things that would be very melodic and very inspirational, like epic soundtracks mm-hmm. and you know, just creating this, this peak scenario where the light was optimized, the air is optimized and the training environment is amazing. And, you know, when I started competing, a lot of those things were kind of at the top of the list of my priorities. And then you get to this practical phase where the gym is amazing, but you're like, oh, I kind of forgot to do this and didn't do this. And so we didn't quite get to that point where we created the threshold of, you know, the welcoming heaven scenario as you walk in where you can get your, you know, your luxuries. And then, you know, walking through the threshold of the gym is this training heaven, but it's pretty damn awesome. I love that idea. I mean, I feel like that's still something you guys can, can accommodate for sure. sure. And I think if there's one thing that serious elite bodybuilders and like quote unquote average women in the gym can relate to, it's not wanting to be bothered while you're working out. So I think creating any kind of environment where people don't feel welcome to come up and just give you unsolicited either small talk or advice is probably a good environment for most people in the gym. Yeah. And we just want to create an environment to evoke a peak state, right? Like if I'm going to come into the gym and I've only got 45 minutes, I want the equipment to be amazing, but I also want to come into a place where I've anchored really, really strong, positive emotions and and effort and focus. And I don't think it's taken away from that. And, and people don't realize how much those things get anchored with everything you do. So if you're in the gym training and someone distracts you to talk to you, like, you know, it's probably a good idea to politely, you know, excuse yourself and say, I'm, you know, I'm happy to talk after the workout, but for now this is what we do. And we, you know, we were going to ban cell phones because that's just a bad idea. Again, we, I've kind of loosened up in my, you know, when I was competing, I was pretty anal about that stuff, man. Like we literally locked the gym behind me, right? Like people weren't allowed in the gym. Like no one was allowed in the gym when I was competing, especially when I was training. So now I've, I've loosened up a little bit to kind of allow some people to bring their cell phones. And, you know, we don't allow talking on the phone during during training, obviously. You know, if you're caught texting or anything like that, you'll be asked to leave. But, you know, if you're in there, in there taking a picture or a video of your workout, I haven't yet banned that, but it's certainly on my mind. Because I think just the idea of having a phone creates this level of complacency and mediocrity that people just don't even acknowledge because it's such a part of your life. Mm-hmm. You don't acknowledge that you're, you're getting distracted. Like, I don't care if you're 
think you're having a good workout. You're not. Like you're, if you're thinking about texting or if you're thinking about going on Instagram, what you're going to post on Instagram, it's just not conducive to excellence, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we don't even know how distracted we are. That's how distracted we are by our phones. Yeah. We don't even know that yeah. we can't put them down or, you know, it's a total normal thing in the gym these days to just see people looking at their phone between sets. It's like, how can you be 100% focused on what you're doing? I mean, you wouldn't do that, hopefully, like when you're, I don't know, having sex with your partner or like having a dinner with your family. (laughs) You know what I mean? But like, that's the kind of thing, like it sounds silly to say it out loud, but like if you're trying to put your entire effort into anything that you're doing and you're checking your phone a hundred times during that process, you're probably not putting in a hundred percent effort. Yeah, literally impossible. So when I was competing, I think it was maybe 2015 or 14, I was absolutely serious about putting a bucket in the middle of the gym. Like I was going to go get a barrel and fill it with water and anybody that used their phone in the gym floor was going to have their (laughs) phone put into the barrel. Yeah. I was was that serious about it. I was like, you know, like don't come in here with your phone. Yeah, that's the serious. The whole smash gene coming in. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm getting past that though. Like I don't get so personal about things anymore, right? I used to kind of get offended. I'm like – you're offending me because you're in my place and not respecting it. But now I'm just like, yeah, it's your life, not mine. Do, mm. Do you still have a little bit of like when you're traveling and you're going to gyms, like when we met up in New York the other, you know, a few months ago now and you were going to one of the good gyms that was there. Do you still have issues with like maybe people who like recognize you and want to come up and take a picture and you're like, can I just do my workout? <laughs> like, how do you deal with that? Well, yeah, but I'm at the point now where my workouts are much less you know, stressful, I guess. There's no there's no result that I'm after, right? Like I'm not trying to compete for Olympia or whatever. So I make time for everybody. And yeah, for sure. There's always the people who say, you know, I don't want to do I don't want to do this, but can I take a picture? You know, I don't mean to guy be the guy who interrupts the workout, but and you know, that's the common response. And rather than just waiting, I, I get it. Like and I'm fine to do it. It's just such a common act now that everyone just doesn't even think they're intruding, right? Yeah. You know, I'm so aware of it. Like so again, one of Jordan Peterson's rules, right, is you know something along the lines of don't distract the kids when they're skateboarding. Mm-hmm. And you know, I take that to extrapolate into anyone, right? Like if someone's in some state of thought or in some state of acting on something, and you're so bold and ignorant to interrupt them, their focus, like I actually take that really personally, man. Like if I'm sitting at my computer writing or if I'm training or in the middle of a set or if I'm having a conversation with someone and you have the audacity to walk up and interrupt, you're trying to tell me that you're more important than my focus. Your your intention or your objective right now is more important than what I'm doing. And that blows my mind. You know, and, and again yep. like parents do that through children. Like I watch my kids play and like they're sitting there and they're so focused and people just come along and distract them. And I'm like, don't you understand how important that is to allow them just to go into those worlds of like there's no thoughts. There are. There's no words. There's no distractions. They're just immersed in deep work, right? Yeah. It's so beautiful to watch. People just don't think. Yep. People just don't think. We can end that whole conversation there. <laughs> and yeah. That. Yeah. Okay. But we we have a bunch of questions that came through on social media, and so I wanted to see how many of these we can get through in this one. They're kind of a little bit all over the place. There's definitely a lot of questions about supplementation and specific supplements. So we'll ask some of those, but one of them that was asked many times over. So I wanted to bring so this up. Before you do that, okay. before you actually do that, because I know that you're kind of like organized now with mm-hmm. these questions. I, I want to talk about something that's a bit of my rant of the day. And, and I had somebody message me on Instagram this week and said, Hey man, you know, I'm a bit, in a bit of a slump 
And I said, okay, well, tell me about that. He's an old client. He feels like he's in a bit of a slump or he's in a phase in his life where he can't make forward progress. And you know, I just went down this, this ponderance of understanding a slump and how that happens. And I'm not going to go off on too much of a rant about this because I've been, you know, kind of pondering this for a long time. This probably is going to end up being some articles and, and, you know, even maybe the, the idea of a book. But a slump, you know, quote unquote slump, whatever that means, is literally built into the system, right? And I'm not going to go down the, the conspiracy alley right now, but, you know, this idea of, you know, the inability to make continuous forward progress is built into our system. And I was so passionate about, like I sat down and wrote for an hour about this the other day. Like I said, I don't want to give away too much because I want to really organize my thoughts around it and make sure it's coherent and and linear, I guess. Mm -hmm. But this idea that, you know, we're all trying to live this life and meet expectations and live dreams that aren't even our own, right? The way we think, the expectations we have to make in life or meet in life aren't our own, right? Everything in our life up to this point, for the most part, is decisions made by people that have come before us, right? So the way we dress, the way we speak, the standards to which we hold ourselves has nothing to do with our own intention. It has to do with the system and keeping up with expectations of your parents and of schools and of, of your job. And so few people have an opportunity to experience life with their own wishes and dreams. And even the dreams and wishes you think are yours are not. They come from someone who's come before you, right? They're like, hey, you have to do this to get love. You have to do this to be accepted. You have to do this to not get in trouble. And all of a sudden you start to conform. And the way you cut your hair conforms and the clothes you wear conform because you know, then, hey, I wear these clothes and I get this positive feedback and it's my response. And it's not actually the thing I want. It's the thing that gets me the positive feedback. And I'm going down this path of like realizing how life is built so that we're constantly chasing material goods because we have to keep up with everybody else, right? So now we have this day-to-day grind around I have to make money to pay my bills so I can buy cars, so I can buy my shoes, so I can buy these clothes, so I can you know, meet all these expectations that are set for me by somebody else. And then we have all these you know, unconscious desires to avoid fear and avoid ridicule and, and, and be accepted in society. And it's all built into the system, man. So you know, everyone's got anxiety and depression and fear and it's crippling for some people and they don't know why. And like, well, this is why, because it's built into the system, right? With you know, the, the news, with the expectations created in the media, with blue light is, is you know, destroying your sleep and, and leading to anxiety. And, and it's all framed around keeping us in this confined space of like, don't break out of this because... We have to constantly be chasing and spending money and, and accumulating things and keeping up with these expectations that have been created for us by someone else. And that's my rant for the day is I want people to start pondering the actions you take on a day-to-day basis and the fact that you don't create them. Someone else has created them for you. And maybe it's time to start waking up to the reality that your life has been built by somebody else. You have no control over it until you start paying attention. Okay. Two things. First of rant all, over. can we start every Q&A with a rant of the day? Because I like this. I like this approach. Yeah, and I have I have a list of them actually. So every time I, I get a rant or, or like a, a strong thought that comes, I don't like to use that word because it yeah. sounds negative, but like a strong thought that comes to mind, I write them down, and I've got okay. a lot of them. And I think I we did one on a previous podcast where I you know I, I mentioned something, and oftentimes this this comes with my children, right? Things that you know I see my children doing, or, or I see other parents doing with their children. That's kind of where my passion lies. Is like I want people to stop being idiots with their kids. 
because you know if you're going to change the world, it's got to start there. And most people look at their kids and they think the kids are the problem, and it's just not. It's just a reflection of you, right? Just like I said with mm -hmm. meditation in the past, it's like, or, or you know, example being, if my kids are irritating me, or if my spouse is irritating me, and, and I can't, you know, they're they're rubbing me the wrong way, and they're getting on my nerves. It has absolutely nothing to do with my with them, and has everything to do with me, right? Mm -hmm. So you know, as a parent. The way my children act has absolutely nothing to do with them. They're a blank canvas, man. They're a freaking blank canvas. They're a reflection of you. They're a mirror. They're your greatest, greatest teachers in life. And if you can look at them as, as a blank canvas and anything you put on that canvas is going to be shown back in your face. Mm -hmm. And you can take that awareness and take that control or that responsibility for what you subject them to. It's a very different scenario, right? You start looking at them differently. You start almost protecting them and loving them in a way that, you know, you're just not meant, you're not going to screw them up. Like at the end of the day, man, like I think so many parents just are so, just so unconscious of the repercussions of their actions and they take no ownership and responsibility for what they put out into the world, whether it be in their family, the friends or the children. And that's, you know, maybe the beginning of shifting as a human being for anyone is you have to go down this path of realizing that what you're putting out is what you're getting back. And now sometimes that sounds esoteric, but looking at it from the, through the lens of a child, you know, a child is born as a blank canvas. So, if you can kind of take that relationship and, and then apply it to any other relationship that you have in life, it's the exact same thing. You know, if you're not getting along with your spouse or your, your team or whatever, they're just giving you back what you put out. And that's a powerful place to come at life to realize you can change this stuff. Mm -hmm. Will you allow me to add to your rant my own feelings? Yeah, which please, you can, of course. of course, disagree with because I think listeners enjoy it, especially when we disagree with each other. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying, but I'm, I'm adding that, you know, something that you said that kind of resonated with me was that a lot of the times the goals or the ideas or the things we think about ourselves or that we need in our lives to be happy aren't even our own ideas and they come from other places and they come from outside of ourselves and we sometimes aren't even aware of that. And that can be, I think, very overwhelming or maybe scary to people because we're like, well, how do we even know what we want, what we truly want? How do we know when our ideas or our goals or our desires are even our own? And I think that one way to kind of help frame that in a potentially positive and less scary way is to recognize that we're human beings, we're social creatures, we're always on some level going to crave acceptance and community and the approval of other people. And to say that people are never going to want that ever on any level, I think is naive. But sure. what we can do is we can work to find and understand our own intrinsic value and worth. And if we can do that, that that external validation, I was just talking about this with someone like this week, that external validation can come and it can be a bonus and it can be great, but it isn't the thing that makes or breaks you. So if you truly value yourself and your abilities and you think you're competent and you think you're doing something good for the world and you think you're valuable, if other people think that too, that's great. But if they don't, you don't really give a shit because you know that what you're doing is real and true, right? So I think that yeah. it's it's just a way to, to think about it, that it's we're all a work in progress. But if we can start focusing more on like our intrinsic desires and values and not negating all that external stuff because it exists and it's there. But if we can work focus more inwardly, then the other stuff comes and it's great. And it's just, it's not the most important thing. That's great, Ashley. Thank I agree with that. And, and you know, perspective on that is some people may take the stance of, well, I'm acting this way in some particular way to receive acceptance from others and I'm changing the person I am or I'm, I'm acting in a, in a way maybe that isn't in perfect alignment with how I feel in my heart. 
but I'm acting that way because I know this other person likes it. So you're changing the person you are mm-hmm. to appease somebody else or to appease their expectations. Here's the problem with that. It's not real. So you're not going to be fulfilled and you're, they're not going to be, you know, they're going to know, they're going to feel it. So what, you know, my perspective is you don't change who you are to receive acceptance. You act who you are and you change the people that are around you who mm. they will then accept you for the natural person that you are. That is the essence of love, right? That's the essence of acceptance of love is I have to be me. And, and regardless of, of everything good and bad, if there is judgment on them, of every aspect of it, I have to be me. And the people who can accept that will, are the people that will absolutely love me. And that is the path to true love and bliss and all these things because you can actually just be real and accept every aspect of yourself. And there's a group of people out there who will accept that and love you for who you are. And now you've got this beautiful foundation of confidence, of, of truthfulness, of honesty to stand on to then progress forward, right? So most people are, are you know, building relationships on a foundation that's basically made of dust. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's lies and there's it's not true. And all of a sudden they're like, I don't know why my relationship's not working. It's because in the beginning you put on this facade of – well, you know, this is who I think they want me to be, or this is who I think I want to be. And you're changing who you really are at your core. And to learn to be who you are at your core, I think it just takes time by yourself. You know, like yeah. so many people are afraid of, you know, 30 minutes, 10 minutes. I can't, I can't meditate. Well, if you can't, you must, man, you, you got to sit down and spend time with your thoughts. And why do you have stress? And why do you have anxiety? Because something in your life is unparalleled from your true soul, from the essence of your soul. That's the only way to become familiar with it, right? Is you need to face those fears and face those anxieties and ask like, this isn't a bad thing. This is something in your body giving you a cue and awareness that it's time to change something, right? So if something is fearful or bringing you anxiety, say good, say thank you. And now look deeper. What do I need to change? Because if you change those things, mm-hmm. I love you're that. get better, right? I love that's, that. That's the reality, right? And I've, I've been talking to some people lately who overeat. And then my question is always, okay, so why do you overeat? What are your triggers? And you start to find these commonalities where you see people who are living in some aspect of their life that they don't really happy with, they don't like, or, or, you know, it's not true to them. It's not, you know, it's their job, it's their spouse, it's their relationship, whatever it is. And there's something in their life that's just out of alignment. And that out of alignment brings them unconscious stress. So that unconscious stress leads to, gosh, I don't feel really good now. I have this low level anxiety. And I know if I eat this food, it makes the low level anxiety go away. And then that habit perpetuates into, you know, a bad eating habit. So that's so common, right? So start addressing those little anxieties and little stresses early and realize you have internal coping strategies and you have external coping strategies, right? Mm -hmm. External being things like food and drugs and sex and alcohol, internal being your your introspection, your meditation, your breathing, your exercise, your things that are more constructive rather than destructive. And again, this has gone down a bit of a tangent rabbit hole, but hopefully people are getting some value. Yeah, I love it. And I think, and similar to what you're saying about not necessarily changing yourself for others, but being who you are and the people around you are going to change. I think it's also similar to when you're looking at relationships, not wanting to change the person you're with, you know, like you can't change the person you're with the same way they can't change you, right? So I think a lot of people enter into relationships, like you said, you put on an air, you put on a personality, and it's it's not necessarily like you're trying to lie. It's like you're being aspirational, right? You're like, well, I'm going to be the person this person wants me to be because that's a better person. Or you get in a relationship with someone that you like, but you're like, I'm going to change this person so that they're better. They're a better version of themselves. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with supporting somebody and, and wanting to help them accomplish their goals. But if you're with someone for the aspirational version of what they could be, you're setting yourself both 
yourself up <laughs> for a world of pain. So I think it works both ways, right? Like you don't want to have to change for somebody and you shouldn't be trying to change other people either. Yeah. And, you know, to go down the relationship path, I think it's vital and, you know, that people spend time alone and get used to your, get used to who you are by yourself, not with being influenced by other people first to learn who you are before you enter another relationship. Right. And, and you know, we've had the relationship talk in the past and, you know, I've, I've been experiencing this a lot in my life lately and the people around me and it seems, and I could be, you know, maybe looking a little too myopically at this, but it seems relationship success has to be grounded in honesty and it has to be grounded in parallel values, right? If, if your values are the same. So, you know, I've been running into this as making decisions in life and you make a decision, I make a decision, Ash, and typically you prioritize things based on what you value, right? If I make a decision, I'm like, hey, this is important to me. This is how I'm going to choose to, to make my house look. This is how I'm going to make, choose to make my car look. This is how I'm going to choose to spend my money. This is how I'm going to choose to treat people based on what I value, right? Whatever I value most, I'm going to place at the top of the hierarchy. And if you're in a relationship with someone who doesn't have parallel values with you, I can't see it working, right? It's a very challenging situation because you value things differently. Unless you're going to become passive and say, you know, whatever you want, let's go with that. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to create a life together with somebody without parallel values because you're just looking at the world through two different lenses and neither person is wrong. You just value things differently. So like I may value this, you may value that. Wonderful. I think that's great, but maybe we shouldn't cohabitate, right? Like maybe we should consider you know, shifting this mm-hmm. and maybe the, every relationship should have a value assessment, right? Dr. John Martini was on the podcast about a year ago now, I think it was last May and told us about his value determinant system. And he's a brilliant guy. If you haven't heard of him, Ash, like check him out and just like sit down and determine what you value. And it's, well, what do you value? What do you spend money on? What do you do? What do you spend your time on? What do you keep close to you in your house? Like, what do you go in times of stress? Like those are the things you value, right? Like, you know, if, you know I value time. I value my family. I value my fitness and my finances and, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You create my health, obviously, and performance. And you, you create this list and you go, okay, well, where's the order, right? What, what do I value most? Mm-hmm. And you create this little order and that will be the thing that guides your decisions unconsciously. You can't shift your values, right? You can't go, well, I want to value my, my fitness. Well, maybe you can, I guess. Uh, you can start to shift them. But unconscious value system is, is mm-hmm. you know, maybe ultimately what you need to strive for. So yeah. yeah, anyone going through relationship stuff, man, or getting a new relationship, find out what your values are, find out what their values are. If they're not parallel, have fun, get the hell out. Yeah. Like for example, I value bacon, you not so much. So we yeah, can be friends. Can maybe Actually, we just we skip breakfast. Be, perfect because you could just eat all the bacon. It'd be great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think like what you said is true. Like you don't, it doesn't mean that you have to literally agree and be exactly the same on everything. It's these deep underlying core values about how you live your life. Those are the things that matter, you know, more than Mm -hmm. maybe if you, I like bacon a little bit more than you. Okay. Moving on. I actually think that was amazing. Like I really like the idea of starting off with like a rant of the day because it could go in a lot of different directions. It can go deep. It can go funny. It can just like, you know, let people know what Ben is ranting about this week. I kind of love it. So let's start doing this more. I like it. All right. All right. So this actually leads into one of the first questions that I wanted to ask you because it was asked on social media a number of times. And I think it's a good segue because you literally just kind of gave a masterclass on how to think about your life and how you live in the world. And that is about mentorship, because I know that you may have offered something similar, like some kind of program or, or, or some kind of one-on-one thing in the past. And a lot of people are asking if you do any kind of mentorship stuff. I do. Yes. I, I do do a one-on-one mentorship currently, but my time is limited and, and the cost is obviously not small. So, you know, I've been looking at ways to expand the mentorship and I actually just put out an offer very recently to take on a small group 
and it's going to be focused around fitness and finances and, and relationships and family, right? So those are kind of my three values. You know, my top value is my family. My second value is my finances. And my fitness is third. And there's obviously so many sub values under that. But how do we optimize those things? And then and having conversations every week with people around strategies and, and overcoming obstacles and creating your ideal life. And I think most people in our world, or at least many people in our world, struggle with prioritizing. You know, first things first kind of scenario, right? So getting people organized, creating very particular six-month goals, and then attacking the goals with an action plan. And that's the idea. So we, we, I've got a system I've created around, you know, here's your six-month objectives. We reverse engineer our, our action plan, and we take action on it. And, you know, the weekly check-ins, the very particular targets every week, and then the monthly rewards that we build in as you hit every target to the six-month objective. And, you know, that's kind of what I'm building out. And I think it can help a lot of people shift. It's helped me shift. And, and I'm still building little sub aspects of it because obviously as things come up you're like oh this would be a cool little addition but yeah so i am taking out people soon getting a lot of things finished for the website finishing up some writing and you know like i said group of 10 one call a week one hour a week is not a huge time obligation as far as getting on the phone but we'll have weekly projects right so there will be this kind of task list of weekly objectives to get your life organized and, and after the end of six months the so far, the results have been fantastic. I've had a few clients that have gone through the 101, and now we're just going to shift it to it's a group setting, so it's much more affordable uh, for people. Mm-hmm. That's going to be it's going to be a relatively sort of exclusive, intimate group, and I think the idea that you're doing maybe less time weekly spread out over a longer period is probably something that's going to be more sustainable and effective behavior wise than just like say one weekend masterclass where you learn how to crush life. Like if you're doing this and you're being held accountable week after week with a small, tight knit group, I think that that's a really cool kind of environment to right. learn this stuff. And we're going to do at the end of it, we'll do the one weekend mastermind mind, you know, at a cool location where we'll all get together and kind of celebrate our victories over six months. So there'll be financial victories if people are business owners, like anyone wants to start a fitness business or any, really any business optimization. Yeah. And then it'll be obviously optimizing. I'm not going to go down the path of like writing workouts and nutrition for people. That's not what this is about, but this is going to be optimizing, you know, everything to do with your health. And, and it can be from guidance around, you know, looking at your DNA to your blood to your, you know, even giving guidance on training, but it's not going to be the kind of scenario where I'm writing down everyone's workouts and nutrition plans and stuff, because it's just not the best use of my time. And it's just really not what people mm-hmm. need, you know, usually, and I could talk about that, right? Like, you know, most people don't need a periodized program. Most people just need to learn to focus, man. You can learn to focus in the gym, you blow the lid off your results. And if you can't focus, you're mm-hmm. screwed. Like people are so so busy barking up the trees of the what I call the X's and O's of the workouts, which is the sets and the reps and the volume and the load and the you know frequency and density. And those things are awesome. And I'm actually a big advocate of those for high level athletes. But for average people, you know, an average people is is ninety-nine percent of people don't need periodization, man. You need focus and execution and effort and beyond that like you probably don't need all that much and then obviously some you know some relationship stuff and, and you know it's really a relationship it's not just you know your spouse or your kids it's you know all the people around you so maybe it's leadership is maybe a better way to look at it is i've made a lot of mistakes in business and leadership is probably the biggest one and learning how to, to be a better leader is kind of my biggest focus over the next two to three years because as I build my business, as I built my, you know, my empire, it's you know, learning how to manage teams. It's learning how to manage personalities. And, and I'm still not the best at it, to be honest, being an introvert. I think we may have talked about this in the past. I'm an introvert and, and I'd rather just kind of not talk to anybody. It's just my, my default, right? I'd rather be by myself reading a book or reading or studying something. But, you know, learning how to 
actually show people you care mm-hmm. is important. And I, because I do care, it's just that I don't always know how to show it. So learning how to deal with all these different personality types is something I've been working a lot on. Mm-hmm. If people are interested in like learning more about this or maybe applying or submitting or, or getting on a waiting list or something for this mentorship program, how do they do that? The email ben at benpokolsky.com would be a good place to fire an email over and you can just talk about the mentorship in your subject title and that will go into a particular folder and someone will get back to you if there's still availability, right? Because we, we said this can be a very limited number of, of spots. Mm-hmm. And maybe like after this this run, there may be like you let us know via an email blast or on social media or something if there's going to be like a new session or something, like you'll let the community know. Yeah, for sure. And then like, I'm sure it'll go great. And I'm sure the group will be you know, a tight knit group. And as we kind of iron out the kinks and systematize it a little bit, optimize the kind of SOPs, we will potentially look at scaling if it's getting people the result they're after. Cool. Similar to that, you get questions a lot from personal trainers, from coaches, fitness coaches about besides obviously listening religiously to your podcast and following you closely about ways that they can continue to step up their game and knowledge. And I think that this could go in two directions. Like if you have maybe other podcasts you like or books you like to read or things that you like to go to get information or more generally speaking, like how do they frame their day as maybe personal trainers to ensure that they have time to educate themselves and learn and like expand their own knowledge instead of just constantly, I don't know, staying where they are and just training what they know. Like, do you have any advice for trainers in terms of how they can just kind of continue to always evolve and step up their knowledge? Yeah. Well, it's always this idea of the more you learn, the less you know, right? And and my pursuit of education and knowledge is insatiable. Like, and it hasn't always been that way, right? Like I haven't always been someone who's going to sit down and read every time I have five spare minutes, but now it's, as you start expanding your knowledge, you know, they have this term called the Dunning-Kruger effect, which basically means these subset of humans out there has this really small bit of knowledge and their belief within themselves is that they know it all. Like I got this figured out. And that's kind of everyone in the fitness industry, right? In the early stages, like, you know, a little bit and you think you know it all. And then you start to learn a little bit more and you go, oh my goodness, like I know nothing. And that's kind of how I feel on this podcast, you know, it's like, I'm always the recipient of so much value and so much information that it gets me so excited to go and like, okay, I have to put these pieces together. Or even when I'm about to interview somebody, like I have to go study and have a good understanding of what's happening. So just creating a standard for yourself and setting a goal for yourself and saying, hey, you know, I want to have a good understanding of X, Y, and Z. And I like to do it in chunks. You know, I like to, you know, if I study something, it'll be like two or three month chunks and I'll just go deep on one topic for this X amount of time because I find one of the biggest obstacles in our society right now is nobody goes deep. Everybody goes wide. Nobody goes deep. And going, you know, even three months is a small amount of time. If you think about the scope of, you know, someone who has studied sleep, they've been studying it for 10 and 20 years. And here I am studying it three months and thinking I'm an expert, you know, it just doesn't make sense. So study three months, you have enough of a knowledge base to optimize your life and have a conversation with someone and then don't expect to be an expert, right? So like with muscle building, I've been studying it for 15, no, 22 years, no, 20 years now almost. So, you know, by this point, I don't even think I'm an expert, right? Like I'm maybe a, you know, an authority on, on it more than everyone, but there's certainly got to be people out there who kick my ass when it comes to understanding, you know, muscle physiology and contractile proteins and all these subsets of things that they're an expert on. But my objective isn't to be an expert, right? It's almost to be a generalist. It's like, I want to have a really good understanding of everything to do with optimizing the body. But if there's someone who's better than me, I'm not going to hesitate to go out and, and learn from them or refer to them and, you know, build them into my network. And like, 
that's just, I think, the way to approach it. Mm-hmm. So as far as answering your question more specifically, if it's a priority for you, you have to put it at the beginning of the day. You know, my great friend Craig Ballantyne says, eat the big frog first. I think someone else may have said that first now that I've actually dug deeper into that. I think it was an author and I forget who, what his name was. Mm-hmm. But eat the big frog first in the day, right? If, if you have something in the day that's a big priority to you or something you don't want to do, get that done first. So for me, it's, you know, every morning I'm getting up, I'm doing my meditation and then journal. And then maybe it's, maybe I'm reading and maybe I'm writing and whatever that big task is for the day. That's the top priority. Get that done first. And because, you know, you know, once you get past that midpoint of the day, the day just disappears. Like things happen, something comes up, somebody calls, you know, we call it the whirlwind, right? You get into the whirlwind, you can't really control what happens between that middle part of the day. So, just build it into your life and realize that you know so much less than you think you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a book called Eat That Frog about procrastinating and, and getting more done in less time, Ryan. No, there was another, there was, so like actually someone famous, not like someone who wrote the book about the frog, but I'm, I'm trying to think it was like Mark Twain or something like that. Like somebody who's a really, really world renowned. Yeah, you're right. I'm reading uh, this description uh, of this book. This book is sort of like a more recent, like self-help, self self Help is the word that I'm looking for. But yeah, yeah, it was originally somebody smarter that said it. We'll have to look it up. Okay, I want to go back. Sorry, I am switching back to a previous thing. But if I could be so bold as to ask you to do some homework for a future Q&A, just throwing it out there. You were talking about one of the things that that comes with being obviously a business owner many times over and, and having to deal with a lot of different people and a lot of different personalities and how your own personality meshes with other people and how that, I mean, I think that's a challenge for everybody, maybe more so depending on what your personality is and how much of an introvert you are. But we talked about this a little bit offline about personality tests and like Myers-Briggs and this new one Enneagram that everyone's doing. And I think you had said like, you did it once, you didn't really care that much. And, And I understand the idea of like, these are kind of silly. They aren't prescriptions and they can also put people into boxes, but people think it's fun to say like, oh, I'm an whatever and you're this. And so that's why we're funny when we try to interact with each other. But I think- What are you asking? Well, we could go down this rabbit hole, but I want you to take them too so that we can talk about it. But I think, I think it's very interesting to people. Like I think if you did these tests and you came back with the information and as much as you may think it's bullshit or not, I think that having this conversation on the podcast would be really interesting to people because people find it fascinating. Like they might be surprised, for example, to find that you're more on one side of the spectrum than the other based on what they know about sure. your public personality. But sure. it's interesting because it's it's problematic, obviously, to put yourself or anyone else in a box. Oh, you're an introvert, so you must be shitty at communicating or you must not like people that much or whatever, which we all know is silly and, and false. But it can be interesting to at least kind of have a little bit more of a objective view of like, okay, well, maybe that's why I am really, really good talking in front of people at a conference, but like later on that night at the cocktail party, I just want to get the hell out of there or whatever. And this is why these types of people frustrate me more than these types of people. And I have to adjust my delivery for this type of person. Like, I think that stuff is really interesting to people. So I think it would be really fun for you to take some time and take those tests and come back and we can talk. Sure. I'm happy to do it. I think it's really funny that you, you, presume that I you said there that you think I'm I think it's going to be bullshit and I don't I don't well, think you said you weren't that interested in it though when well, I mentioned here's, it here's why here's why because I will never judge someone based on their measurements yeah. right I don't give a shit like just because I, I in some common scenario I may be this particular personality type who gives a shit? Like everyone's going to be, di- you'll be different with me than you are with your best friend and you are with your, you know, female friends, your male friends, your husband, whatever. We're going to be different. So 
I try not to judge people based on who they were in the past. I try to judge them on what they show me, right? And, you know, it's the same idea with, you know, some people use these sleep tracking devices now and everyone goes, well, I had really bad REM sleep last night. Therefore, my brain's not going to work or therefore I'm going to be really tired or whatever, right? It's to me, it's silly. Like, don't let it kind of poison the well and, and presume that someone's going to be dumb because they have, you know, some personality system that doesn't match up with yours. So I'll do it. Sure. And I'm not going to judge anybody based on it, but I know everyone's going to judge me, right? Kind of like that post on you know, Instagram yesterday. <laughs> like, well, that's what you get for being popular, okay? People feel like they can judge every single thing I you do. That's what you funny, get. funny, man. Like, I'm the least judgmental person in the world. I'm like, I'm not going to judge somebody for anything they've done. Are yeah. you the least judgmental person in the world? No, maybe not. But I, I don't. I am. Like, I get there, to be honest, because I really don't care. Like, if yeah. someone does something, I mean, good for you, man. It doesn't impact but me. But maybe not caring can be seen by some people as a judgment. And no, maybe no, no. that is a no, personality no. thing. Like, I, some I think people. It's, it's a Switzerland thing. Like, it's not that I don't care. It's that I. You're the neutral zone? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, man. Like, if, if it doesn't impact me, why? It's, it's this, you know, are you familiar with the term equanimity? You are as an author. Yes. That's yes. my life, man. Like, yeah. I'm not letting this stuff impact me. Either way, it's rolling off my back. I see it. I say, thank you. I keep moving. Right. And this is a personality trait that I've developed is if you're angry with me, so be it. If you're happy with me, so be it. It doesn't impact the person I am. So, and, and that's maybe just a general example, but that's the scenario, right? It's not about the, the circumstance that happens. It's my perception of it. And when someone can start to have that empowering place, it's just different. Like it's a beautiful way to look at the world because nothing around me, like me getting trolled yesterday impacted me, right? Like I'm, I'm mm-hmm. shit, like good for you, man. It tells me more about you than it tells it, tells it says about me, right? Mm-hmm. I agree a hundred percent with what you're saying. And if people can get to that point or get to that point more often than not, we're all going to be a lot better off. And I also hear what you're saying too, about people taking like personality tests and using them as self-fulfilling prophecies, right? So if I get a result that says I'm an introvert, it's like, okay, well, here's my excuse to be a dick to people or not have to go out anymore or whatever. Like you can't, you can't use them as prescriptions, but you I, I can wanna, use them to understand things better. I want sometimes. to explain that, right? So I have this, this explanation of introvert version and extroversion that was given to me by someone clearly much smarter than I am that really clarified it for me. It really made a lot of sense. And, and the reality is they can actually tell if a child is going to be an introvert or an extrovert when they're born. And so it's a reflection of your nervous system, the way your nervous system interprets the world. And when this is, you know, when I heard this, I was like, that makes perfect sense. And every introvert in the world who's listening is going to go, oh my God, that's so true. So the difference is an introvert's nervous system is way more sensitive to stimulus. So it's way more sensitive to light and sound and everything around you. So an introvert will get into the car and turn the radio off. An extrovert will get in the car and turn it up. So an introvert's nervous system is sensing everything around you significantly more invasive, right? So being in a, in a group for me is torture because it's so much stimulus. My brain's just like going crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas an extrovert will walk into the room and go, hell yeah. So it'll bring them up, right? It'll, it'll stimulate that nervous system and bring them up. Whereas an introvert, it's going to it's just going to like give them sensory overload. So that's how they've quantified introvert and extrovert. You can literally put a sound beside a newborn baby and their reaction, you'll know right away if they're an introvert and extrovert, almost with, with you know, stunning accuracy. And that's it. And as soon as you understand that every introvert in the world is going to go, yep, that's me, 100%. Like, get in the car, turn it down. And then obviously, it's a spectrum, right? There's, there's a spectrum of like, you know, where is your the sensitivity to the nervous system? And maybe it can change over time because some people say, oh, I used to be an introvert, now I'm an extrovert. Maybe your nervous system is just kind of down-regulated a little bit and you're a little less sensitive to, to bright lights and loud people and, and loud conversations. Dude, my kids talk to me in a loud voice. I'm like, sweetheart, 
talk a little loud, talk a little quieter, right? It's just like mm-hmm. just trying to calm everybody down. That's why even when I talk on the podcast, sometimes I'll I'll manipulate people's tone consciously. You know, if someone's talking really loud, I'll, I'll respond to them in a, in a really calm, slow tone. Sometimes if someone's talking a little bit slow, I'll talk a little bit faster and I'll get them a little bit excited, right? And, and just kind of manipulate that consciously because it's to kind of match what my nervous system can handle and allow my nervous system to thrive. This is making me laugh because it's reminding me of the first time I interviewed you for my podcast when you were talking like real calm and quiet. It was it was literally like a cool, you know, water over my head. I was just like, oh, well, listen so to yourself. Nice. But it's because I'm literally like a jacked up chipmunk when I yeah. talk. I was like, so, and I, this is me right now. This is me like quite downregulated. So yes. And it's because I'm talking to you because yes. I'm very aware that you're trying to like keep me from literally running off the rails and I appreciate it, but that's a good skill to have. And that's a skill that you might do subconsciously, but you're doing it because of your, like you, other people's personality types would not react that way. Other people might, if they get overstimulated or irritated by too much stimulation, instead of trying to balance it, instead of trying to bring the other person down, they might freak the hell out and like yell at the person to shut up. You know what I mean? So that like, would have been in the past, right? Yeah, so this is where right. meditations come in, right? Is, is It gives you that, that moment to respond rather than react. And that's why you know, I almost had to meditate by necessity with my personality type. Because in the past, like people yelling at me, I went into panic mode, man. And I was either going to smash you or I was going to tell you to leave. And like, I don't like that, man. I got to relax. And this is, you know, there, there's many maybe genetic predispositions to make it that way. So I just had to learn to pay attention and go, oh, I see what's happening here. Hey, Ash, I'm going to slow down your tone a little bit without you even knowing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, And this is this this idea of you can do that to everybody, right? You can get them to mirror you, right? So if you're talking fast and it's a little bit stressful for me, I'm going to come on and I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going to talk in, in like the slow and, you know, the, the light, late night DJ radio host <laughs> voice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, that's Good luck. Idea. I mean, you're bringing me down like forty percent, and I'm still yeah. just like one step away from jumping off a cliff of excitement. I, I I'm trying my best. I'm trying my I best over here. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying to keep up with you. Actually, I'm trying not to slow down, but I could if you want me to. Yeah, I, I'd love. <laughs> little, it's a so little harder for me to bring people there, up, though. That's the other thing. Like people who I'm trying to bring their energy up. That's actually a more. I feel like that's more difficult than trying to bring people down because if I'm. Well, like, you have to build rapport first, right? Yes, so you have. Right. There has to be some agreeance with the things you're talking about, right? So, yeah, so you build rapport by, by like having a few things that you agree upon. Maybe you mirror their body language a little bit. Once mm-hmm. you have rapport, then you can take them where you want to go. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. But this, again, this is why I think that this conversation and you taking those like just fun kind of sort of silly tests is just, it starts interesting conversations. I'll do right? it. I'm a thousand percent. I'll do it. I'd like to. Actually, I think it would be very interesting to, I mean, if people care, yeah. maybe we can get people to give us a comment. No, nah, it's just like, if they, I'll do it. And if they like it, great. If they don't, that's fine too. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. And then we'll, we can have a debate over whose personality type is cooler. And then <laughs> objective you know, cooler. I had Gretchen Rubin on the podcast and she told my personality type and she was absolutely accurate. Yeah. She just, she just by having a conversation with me, she's like, well, you're this. And I was like, yep, that's me. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that was a good, good podcast. Definitely a great one that I recommend people listen to. She talked about, you know, the, the different personality types and I was a rebel and they had like an obliger and you had a, gosh, I forget. It's been a while. You had upholder and obliger, a rebel and 
something yeah, else. Yeah, this was the Enneagram one, I think. I'm pretty sure. I have my results somewhere. I'll have to bring them back up. But yeah, yeah. no, it's interesting. Okay, so we'll we'll continue that particular conversation in another Q&A. I think that's just such interesting stuff. But maybe we can start to wrap up with a couple more like relatively quick questions, if that's okay with no, you. You know, that doesn't happen. Well, quick-ish. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Okay, so one question. You had posed a question on social media recently about supplements and what people are taking and what people are into. And I'm just going to ask about one in this call because people talk about it a lot. And I think there's a lot of misleading information. And that is creatine and whether it's good and useful and whether people should take it or if it's a waste of time or what. So what do you think about creatine? So most people think of creatine from a performance perspective, like a muscle performance perspective. And obviously, it's a great fuel source for the first 10 seconds of exercise. And I think anyone who's not capitalizing on the first 10 seconds of exercise and using it for really high-intensity effort is missing the greatest opportunity within exercise. The objective in that first 10 seconds is to train your nervous system and your neuromuscular system to become really, really efficient and effective at contracting a lot of motor units at one time. So becoming really, really strong, basically. That's important. But in my eyes, it's the second benefit of creatine. I think the biggest benefit is creatine is really important to the development of the nervous system. So as your nervous system repairs and replenishes and, you know, growing nervous system in a child, creatine is massively important to your brain, to your nervous system. So I think every human being should be taking five grams of creatine a day. And there's tons of research on that. It's endless. There's actually more research on the benefits of creatine for the nervous system and the brain than there is for muscles. So I started giving it to my kids, you know, basically as soon as they start, as soon as they start eating food, I would give them just, you know, basically microdosing creatine, you know, daily. And I'd even give them some alpha GPC sometimes, right? Really small doses of alpha GPC, fish oils, you know, given those things that we know as human beings, we need to get in the diet if we want to flourish, right? So as, as a developing child or, you know, maybe not quite a baby, but a child, you know, fish oil should be there. Creatine can be there. Alpha GPC. And, and I'm not making these suggestions to people, but what I would, what I did is primarily that. And then there's some topical magnesium, which really helps them to sleep and calm down. And that was kind of it. But those, that's my spot and my perspective on creatine. What about getting creatine from whole food sources? Is that something we can aim for? Sure. Yeah. I think if you eat enough red meat, you're probably getting it. And again, I, I don't know, Ash, you may have be more of an expert on that than me, how much creatine it may be in like a typical serving of eight ounces of red meat. I'm really not sure. Mm. I can't see it being being an issue. There's you know very little toxic quality to creatine, despite what people have associated in their mind with like kidney damage and rhabdomyolysis. It's not real. Mm-hmm. So as far as I can see, you know within within some reasonable range, taking creatine on a consistent basis over time is only going to be beneficial. Mm-hmm. And what about we're not going to talk about like specific brands? People can do their own research to find out what's good quality. But what about that like old? I don't even know if this is old and outdated advice, but like the idea that you had to sort of like front load creatine and like take a bunch and then it kind of evens out. Like what's what's the deal with that? I think it's all been disproven okay. by now. It's all just it's all just consistency and yeah. you know, yeah, there's no no real benefit. Okay. All right. So generally speaking, good quality creatine, probably a good thing for most people. Yep, absolutely. All right. Okay. All right. Rapid fire question. We're going to try it again. Most of my rapid fire questions completely just fall flat on the floor. I'm like, I'm just going to give this so, to you, Ben, and you can just give it right back. And you're like, nope, not interested. But I'm going to try again. I'm not going to give up. Are you ready? Shoot. What is your favorite movie or one of them? Well, 300 came up last night. That was so we don't have cable in our house. So we, we were was it last night, this weekend, we were looking at a movie and, and I wanted to watch 300. And, and my wife thought it was a little bit, a little bit too much for the kids. And I was like, come on. Amazing so that's up there. I've watched that. I've watched that a lot in my yeah. life. 
uh, Rocky's up there. You know, love those movies. I'm not that much of a movie buff, to be honest. Like, I've never been a movie guy. So I've watched 300 a couple hundred times, and I probably watch Rocky a couple hundred times. And, I mean, when I have spare time, it's usually not movies. You're but, reading. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. Make us all feel bad. That's fine. But those are good choices. Rocky and 300 are both fantastic movies. So I'll accept that short answer from you today, Ben. Thank you. What's your favorite movie? I mean, I don't have a favorite, but like my top, like I'm definitely a fan of like the 80s genre. I'm probably a fan of more of the like action, like bro type movies than would be expected from like a, I don't know, typical quote unquote woman. I had an older brother. So like I watched like, you know, Bloodsport is probably in my top five movies of all time. Jean-Claude Van Damme from from, like the early 80s. I'm into it. I watched it a couple hundred times. Oh my God. It's amazing movie, like pumping iron. Like, and I'm not just trying to like be cool because I'm on Ben Pekulsi's podcast. Like these are actually the movies that I would like bring you know with me to I don't know prison if I had to be there for the rest of my life because I could watch them forever when I was bodybuilding I would like my day of prep when I'm getting ready and getting tanned and putting all my crap on I'm watching pumping iron like those are I can watch them forever so yeah any movie with like a lot of abs 300 like good to go that's it good I like it okay (laughs) good place to end yes is that it is that it for for today I think that's it I can we'll save the rest for next week all right, well, that's a wrap. Do we have any special sponsors for today? Ash, who's sponsoring our episode? Well, I mean, we have, I guess I probably should have mentioned this, that ButcherBox is our our best friends these days because they're also supplying us, especially you, because you have higher protein requirements than I do. ButcherBox has been sending us some some treats. And ButcherBox they is amazing. I'm actually that. having a meat get-together this weekend, all sponsored what? by ButcherBox. Why am I not invited? Well, you fly in if you like. So I have a a, a breathing course this weekend. Patrick McEwen is coming to the gym. So this will obviously get aired after that. But I'm having all of the friends over from the gym and and all my best friends here in Tampa kind of as a a celebration of animal carcasses. and and, and (laughs) I love that. And being grateful for animals. And sustaining our amazing lives because we're all big believers in the necessity of meat, right? Like, I'm not against vegans. I think it's actually, if, if it's a moral decision, all good for you. But I think it's it seems as though it's pretty clear now that you know thriving in life requires a, a good amount, a good serving of meat. And I guess I still eat vegetables. I'm not like a carnivore by any stretch, but um, having a good big chunk of meat steak cooked on my Traeger is maybe my favorite thing to do right now. If you maybe I had meat on a Traeger. Trigger grill. I've never. I have never. I know everybody else. This is like the thing I'm seeing everywhere now that everybody yeah. has a trigger, and I do not. I'm sad about it. So I put it on in the morning, and I, you know, set it and get an app on my phone to check the temperature and the internal temperature of the meat, and it's just the most amazing meat I've ever had in my life. It's crazy. You can cook so much on this thing. Like I have this mega trigger. I forget what number it is, like 1300 or something, and I literally just plug it in. Turn on an on switch, set the temperature, put the meat on, and I walk away. It's done. At least set it for six hours, eight hours, whatever you want. It's just the greatest meat. Like I couldn't imagine going to any you know southern barbecue place and having better meat. It's just so good. I barely put mm-hmm. it, I put a couple like salts and rubs on sometimes, but usually it's very little, if anything. It's just so damn good. And and like you know, shout out to Traeger, man. You guys are awesome. You're doing good stuff. And the thing I love about Traeger is they make these pellets that are not. They're just pressed wood they're not like glued together so most of these companies are making pellets that have glues and i'm like i'm not eating glue man that's why i stopped using propane gas grills it's just like i'm not eating propane man i don't like kids eat propane i'm not eating propane like get that shit away from me so a little bit of smoke from wood again maybe you could argue it's carcinogenic too i'm sure like everything else in the world but it's probably going to be the best version of anything right if we're just a little bit of smoked wood is 
I'm sure are going to have the lowest carcinogen ratios of anything we do. So I do that probably, it's been less lately because we spent the summer in Toronto, but probably once every seven days or so, I'll put on like a good roast or like a, you know, something, a couple of chickens or you know, something awesome, a bunch of steaks and grill those bad boys up on the trigger. Let it be on the record that I also have nothing against vegans, except for the ones who send me mean DMs about how evil I am for eating organ meats. Because <laughs> that happens every once in a while. I don't like those vegans, but the rest of you are fine, probably. Yeah. Oh, and also a reminder that ButcherBox, because you're having your awesome animal, what, what did you say? At animal carcass? The celebration Car- of animal carcasses. Celebration of carcasses this weekend. If anybody else wants to have a celebration of animal carcasses and get some delicious can high quality- Can you give quality- us your best recipes, Ash? Can you post them? Yeah. For, maybe yes, but I'm meat. trying to tell people how they can get ButcherBox <laughs> delicious meat first. So let me just say that. If you use the code MI40 at checkout, you get a discount on your ButcherBox and they will send you their awesome, delicious meat, which you can customize and get whatever you want in the box. You can get it sent right to you. So do that. We'll put that in the show notes too. As far as my recipes, I'm working on that. That's actually right. going to be a bigger project because I don't want to, you know, just give it out for free. So I'm starting to experiment a little bit. Maybe I'll send some stuff for you to try and like some of my friends. And then once I kind of feel like I've got a couple good things for people, we might figure out a way to put it out into the world. But until then, you're just going to have to stay tuned. Yeah. So the butcher box steaks, you guys, you can get 100% grass fed beef, which is really good quality. You can get chicken, you can get fish, you can get pork, all of them in any size box you choose, which is pretty awesome. It's, it's just high quality stuff and, and it's going to be significantly cheaper than you're going to find at a grocery and ship to your door. So do it. And again, I have no special recipes to share with you for my meat. If I'm cooking, I don't eat pork. So if I'm cooking beef, it's usually just like, I'm going to throw some salt on there from Redmond's Real Salt. And I just love them because it doesn't have any plastic and kind of that's it. Sometimes I've got another company that sent me some rubs that were good but i forget the name of the company right now i'll remember it next time but usually it's just plain salt a little bit of uh, loaded up and then shut it down it's just the smoke flavor itself you know i typically will use like this apple wood i guess so darn good that's it so no special recipes but head over to butcherbox.com and we're grateful that you guys are here and thank you for your time if you've enjoyed the show we would love a share we love a review because that's what fuels our growth so thank you guys for being here ash thank you for being here thank you for being awesome thanks ben it's a pleasure as always all right everybody live your greatest life in a body you love have a great day thank you so much for tuning into muscle intelligence if you enjoyed today's episode please be sure to share it with at least one person you know make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Bikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.